Jesus taught about all the different styles of yoga. Yeah. My teacher was uh, following Bhakti. The path for me is more jnana. Um, well, the thing with Gana Yoga is that it, it leads you to the understanding that um, the body is not the self and that the, uh, the relationship between the self and the world and the relationship between the self and other selves and the self and the supreme self, right? So it, 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 it brings one to the intellectual understanding of it. But... In the first instance? Huh? In the first instance, like at the beginning? Um, yeah, but the, the... This is what Gana is, it's the analytical study of things. Yeah. Now... In that that can only take you to the a certain point, like what, like just philosophically understanding things is not uh, the goal of life. No. You see, so um, bhakti um, is the gana yoga is. See, the yoga system is a very, very, is very, very vast, and there's many different um, paths of yoga. And just like there are many, many rivers that go to an ocean, um, some may take an indirect route and go way out to the side, and then come back and into the ocean or into the ma into the main river, right? Mm -hmm. And some rivers are like a direct shoot straight to the ocean, right? Yeah. And then some rivers may, uh, some little riv rivlets may go off into another one and that one goes back into, but eventually all the rivers, they come down into the ocean, right? Yeah. This example. So you have Gana Yoga, which it, if practiced correctly, can lead one to the ocean, you know, can lead one, the ocean meaning to God. Right? Yeah. So, uh, but um, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I can only be known by one way, and that's unalloyed devotion. So, if you want to know the absolute truth, you have to love the absolute truth. Because the only, this is the, this is the nature of God is that um, God, He, He's, he's, he's attracted to love, right? He's like everybody else. <laughs> They're attracted to love. Uh, just because you know about him philosophically does not mean he's going to show himself to you. you see? So because he's um, a person and uh, he's very um, soft, he does not reveal himself to those who don't love him, you see. Um, so to the degree that you're 
loving God, that is the degree that you will be knowing God. You could know about the, the external world and how the body is different from the self. So, Gana uh, Yoga is meant, when, you're, when you study these things, when you study the world, when you study the difference between the body and the self, um, uh, it'll gradually bring you to the understanding that, uh, well, I'm not this material body, and therefore I shouldn't be spending my um, energy and time uh, trying to achieve uh, these false goals in this world, right? Uh, but that's not something you should do nothing though <laughs> you know so it's it's meant to when you understand that I'm not the body uh, this material world is not my home it's not a permanent place it's just like a temporary place that I'm inhabiting mm -hmm. um, then and I'm the eternal soul then the eternal soul uh, if then needs a place to 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 have an eternal activity Eternal soul needs an eternal relationship. Part of the the nature of the us living beings is that we need love. You know, this is not a defect. There's some schools of um, in the line of Shankaracharya. They try to kill love because um, the only love that they know is material love. They don't know anything about spiritual love. It's it's a philosophy that. Um, well, actually, we'll talk about it in a bit because it's getting a bit off topic. Topic if we talk about it now. But uh, so when you come to the understanding that I am, uh, I am spirit, not the body. Uh, this is good. This is this is the you know this can be said to be maybe the end of Gana Yoga. So once a person understands this, once he realizes this, then he needs to know what do I do now, <laughs> you know. Because you cannot just do nothing. Mm. You know, you can't just exist just yeah. knowing stuff. You, you, have, you have to act, right? Yeah. So, um, so this is the subject of karma yoga. Mm. This action, yes. action in union with God. Actually, when I was, you know, I was teaching yoga in, in uh, I was teaching this yoga philosophy in Byron Bay, and I think my uh, one of the main faults I can find in myself of the way I was teaching is I wasn't really giving people an opportunity to engage in karma yoga. Uh, I was kind of waiting for them to offer. Yeah. But this was something we were required to do in India. It was yeah. part of our teacher training. Right. I see. When I say teacher training. So, so um, uh, 
So this karma yoga, to act karma, action in service to God, is uh, the eternal function of the soul. This is the eternal... Uh, if a person develops a taste for serving God, engaging in the loving service of God, which the Bhagavad Gita is all it's about. Mm. Krishna says over and over again, but those who are engaged in my devotional service, they're the greatest of all. See? And the uh, this karma yoga, this action in union with God, it, it brings one closer and closer to God. It reawakens this natural relationship. So our diseases, the material disease, is that we want to be the one who's being served. We don't want to be the servant, we want to be the master. If you analyze the mentality of the people in this world, is they want to be number one. They want to be the one who's on top, the one who's respected, the one who is uh, the center of attention, uh, the one who is uh, the subject of everybody's um, love yeah. so so this is this is the material disease and by um, by practicing karma yoga by practicing action in loving service to God then you reawaken the eternal serving mood you reawaken this the, the realization that I am God's servant not the master Lord and Master. Actually, everybody wants to be the Master, but because it is our, our um, inherent nature, is that we are dominated, not the dominators. We are the ones that are below. We are not all-powerful. We are uh, minute in power, minute in intelligence, in wisdom, all these things. We're, we've got a very small amount. So, um, but we want to be the big guy. Okay? So, and everybody wants to be the big guy. But, and they want to be the one who everybody's serving. But if you analyze, they never get to a point where they're the masters and everybody's serving them. They always have to serve somebody. Mm. You know, the, the, the big businessman, boss of the company. What is the company? The company is just serving other people in some way, right? Every big company, what do they do? They serve, mm. right? They serve. Yeah. So the big CEO, he thinks he's the boss, but actually he's the head servant. <laughs> And he has to serve all his employees. He has to pay his employees, you know. And uh, not only that, but he has to serve his wife, you know, and has to serve his children. And he has to serve the government because he has to pay the taxes to the government. Mm -hmm. So even the biggest guys, like maybe, you know, like the, the, the right now there's a big heated race for the president of the United States. What is that? Oh, they get to be the big man. No, they get to have the most people who they are serving than anybody. <laughs> Not only do they have to serve the people, but then they have to serve the companies that are, you know, giving them money on the side. And and so you cannot get away from it. Even the biggest guys in our society, their business is serving. You cannot get away from it. So if we see how much how much happiness, how much pleasure does it give our hearts to engage in the service of uh, the world, you yeah. see, it's something we cannot get away from it from because we are minute. We are not uh, self-sufficient. Mm. You see, yeah. um, so uh, 
because we cannot get away from service, we need to we need to uh, understand we who to serve. You mm. see, so um, the the Bhagavad Gita teaches Krishna teaches in the Bhagavad Gita that instead of serving um, your senses, um, uh, your relatives, whatever, uh, you should be engaged in my service. You should be serving me. And um, this, so this is difficult because the reason why we're in this material world, the reason why uh, we're here is that we want to be, we don't want to serve God. This is the, why the soul enters into the material world. Because the soul does not want to serve. The, serve, the soul wants to, somehow or other, um, wanted to know what it's like to not be the servant of God and to experience uh, them trying to be God, tr trying to because be... Because once it experiences God, then it doesn't come back. It's not necessary for yeah, it to well, be on the earth again. That's right, yeah. So, uh, when, when a person goes... <coughs> so this, when a person goes back to God, then they don't come back because they basically learn their lesson. Mm. <laughs> they learn the lesson that happiness is not in trying to be the master, Lord and master, but it's in being the servant of God. You see? So, um, when a person engages in karma yoga, it's very powerful because it awakens this natural serving mood and, re and, and cleanses the consciousness and, and reawakens the, the dormant relationship with God uh, and and then you experience the yoga this union with God you see uh, so now you can see that if you just remain in the analytical study of things uh, then you won't be able to uh, come to the point of uh, tasting the highest experience you see so as a person engages in the service of God they become in the beginning, it's like poison. <laughs> they don't want to do it. It's like, what? I'm doing this, and I'm not getting paid for it, and and uh, and I don't get any praise for it. Nobody, uh, people actually they they look down on me, and and uh, you know, it's like, oh man, it's just so hard to do. But uh, as your heart becomes more purified. Uh, by the karma yoga and by and a very powerful way to purify a person's heart is by chanting God's names. Mm. Uh, then this, they cannot live without serving God. It becomes their life. You see, mm. and as a person becomes, the more a person becomes attached to serving God, automatically the attachment to the material world falls away, mm. because it's such a higher taste. It's such a more wonderful taste. So, um, and it also becomes a whole lot easier. Like it becomes natural after a while. Yeah. You find that yeah, because it's it is natural. It's who you are. <laughs> you know, it's, you're the servant of God. So it's it's your natural state. So that's yeah, it does become more natural. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's many many processes of yoga that are not even necessary to do. Like. Uh, what's it called? The one where you visit the holy places? The pilgrimages. Okay. Yeah, there's a name for that. Visiting holy places. There's a name. It's a, it's a type of yoga. Uh, but it's not necessary. You don't need no, to do it. Doesn't, it doesn't do anything. No. Like even going to the... Like I spend a lot of time in India. And mm. 
some part of what they regularly do is go to the temples, but I don't feel the need to do that. Yeah. I never have, even it's when I was growing up. Yeah. I grew up as a Catholic, you know, and yeah. I always felt closer to my maker when I was watering my vegetable garden than when I was in the church, for yeah. example. You know, yeah. so I think the the I understand the concept of rituals, mm -hmm. but um, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah. So, so it's not a necess not necessary no, at all. No. So there's many, many different processes of yoga. Yoga means just it's a process that brings you closer to God. You see, but some have limits, you know. Mm. And so bhakti yoga, well, Krishna says that I can only be known by love. Right? So bhakti means love. <laughs> so it's the only way to know Krishna. You can know other parts. You can realize God in other aspects. Uh, but it's a further away, more distant relationship with God. Like there's, for example, the uh, what m many uh, mystical yogis they strive for is the uh, nirvakalpa samadhi or the experience of nirvana. You don't need to love God to experience nirvana. It's a mechanical process you can go through and raise the life force up the shashumna through the top of the head, and you can merge with this uh, ocean of life called. Uh, called, uh, well, it's many goes by different names. The experience is sometimes known as Nirvakalpa Samadhi or Nirvana, Brahman Realization, uh, Brahmananda. So uh, this experience is not the highest experience. It's not a relationship with Krishna, but it is, is, is the um, experience of the soul merging temporarily with this ocean of light that is the atmosphere of the spiritual world. Just like we have air in the atmosphere in this world. Well, the atmosphere in the spiritual world, in the outer circumference of the spiritual world, is this ocean of light. So, many yogis, they merge with this ocean of light. This is the process of like kundalini yoga, right? This is the purpose of it. You try to merge with this ocean of light. Uh, and it, it, it brings one the understanding that I am Brahman. You realize I am spirit. You, you know, it's not just a mental, philosophical understanding. It's an actual experience. You experience yourself beyond birth and death, eternal in nature. Uh, but that's it. You know, and then, but eventually the need for action and the need for love, because in this state, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's, it's really like, it's like a trance-like state mm. where you, you don't, you're not even aware of the world or the spiritual worlds, or you actually can't carry that into your day-to-day -day life, can you? Like it's a you can achieve well, it as a state, yeah. But you have to come out of it. Yeah. Well, you yeah you can't. I mean, you can you can take it just like Gana Yoga. You can take it what you've gained from it uh, to understand. Um, see, from Gana Yoga, you philosophically or analytically understood that you're Brahman, you're different than matter, right? And from Brahman realization, you can you actually experience, you, you, you not only philosophically, but actually, you, you philosophically know that, not philosophically, but actually know from experience uh, that I am not the material body. And I am, not only that am I not the material body, but I am spiritual in essence. I am not material, uh, I am eternal, I am, Birth and death doesn't actually affect me. I'm beyond birth and death, you know. Um, so this is a realization that you can have, uh, but it's very difficult. It's really hard to achieve. 
And, uh, and it's temporary. Because of this need for action and love, the yogi gets sucked back down into the material world. Because they, they're not qualified to know Krishna yet. Because they don't love Krishna. You see? And in order to know uh, the, the cause, the ocean, the, the cause of this ocean of light, a person needs to develop love for this, for this supreme person. You see? So, um, love for Krishna, uh, it, um, the, the devotee of Krishna, he experiences that he's, he experiences knowledge. See, Gana Yoga is contained in bhakti. It's, and Brahman realization is contained in, in bhakti. But bhakti is not contained in Gana, you see, or in Brahman realization. So, the, the bhakta, he understands that uh, I am everything the Gani understands. He understands everything the, uh, the the yogi who experienced Brahman realization understands. But he ex understands more. Mm -hmm. He understands. He understands his spirit. He knows this. He's eternal. But he also is experiencing an eternal, uh, loving relationship with the with the original supreme person. You see. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Bhakti is is um, that's why it's called the you know the the highest goal of yoga is because it contains every, if you if you've achieved bhakti it's love for the supreme lord you've achieved everything there is to achieve you see if you if you've achieved the goal of gana yoga you haven't achieved everything there is to achieve if you've achieved brahman realization you haven't achieved everything there is to achieve you see so um, the but in the process for experiencing love for Krishna is not even difficult. <laughs> it's not hard. You know, it's just the regularly hearing what we've been doing. Yeah. It's very pleasurable. It's very nice. It's also very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's very powerful. But you don't have to if you want to experience Brahman realization, it's very difficult. <laughs> you can't do it living in a city. You have to go live in a secluded place and practice extremely difficult yoga processes and extremely painful that could, you could do for decades and still not be successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, and it's dependent on your own personal uh, tolerance of pain and uh, determination and uh, you know, perseverance in these things. It's dependent on your own power. Whereas the process of bhakti is not. The process of bhakti yoga, of chanting Krishna's names, all you have to do is put yourself into the proximity of Krishna's names, and then Krishna's names purify your heart. And then you come to the point of uh, experiencing a closer and closer relationship with Krishna, and experience the highest, the highest uh, experience that you can have. And it's an eternal experience, you see? So, sounds too good to be true, <laughs> but many, many um, people have uh, come to this point um, and are coming to this point gradually. You know? So, uh, it's a very easy process of yoga, but in a sense it's, it's very difficult for most people. Most people, they don't want to, because it requires surrender. <laughs> it requires knowing that uh, there's somebody more powerful than me, and I have to give up my own um, self-protection, 
my own uh, feeling that I can do it. <laughs> you know? The individual. Yeah. So it takes it takes humbleness. Yeah. So it's we're here because we don't want to surrender to God. You know, we want to to be to be. We don't want to admit that we're weak. We're powerless. You see. So it takes a change of. In a sense, it's really easy, but in a sense, it's really difficult. But it because it takes uh, giving up of the false ego, you know. The, so um, we've been taking shelter in our own. You know, it's very hard for people to admit when they're wrong, or or when like you know they've done something wrong, or that they're stupid, or that they're you know weak. So this is this feeling of self-importance, a feeling of uh, self-sufficient. This keeps us from bhakti yoga, you see? Because we feel that we're okay. You know? But when we understand, oh, I'm not okay, I need help. You know, that's... Uh, you know, that's a very difficult... You know, people don't like to, to admit this. So, this is why bhakti yoga, in a sense, is very difficult, because of this reason. But the actual, like process of it, you know, it's nowhere near as physically demanding as the process like Ashtanga Yoga or Kundalini Yoga. It's nowhere near, you know. You just imagine Ashtanga Yoga. Have you studied Ashtanga Yoga process much? Some people give a watered down, watered down kind of explanation of what it is, but actually it's extreme. If you're going to do it properly, it's extremely difficult. They, they, if they do it in the cities, in the yoga schools, it's, it's a joke. Yeah, that's right. You know, like the, like if you just look at the first steps, the yama, yama, niyama. None of those are being um, adhered to. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't even, they, if they, like they'll say brahmacharya is one of them, right? Brahmacharya means taking the sexual energy and not letting it go, <laughs> you know? Mm. So, in other words, celibacy, and more than celibacy, no, for a male, there's no ejaculation, right? So, like, there's, you know, this is take, because you need this energy for the later steps, so it's, it's you know. Yeah. And, you know, truthfulness, um, uh, all these different, basically a person has to live a pure life mm. before even beginning. Yes, that's right. This is a preliminary step, you know. And then the asanas are meant to get you, your body in such a state where you're not experiencing any pain when sitting in a cross-legged position with your back straight for eight hours, like six to eight hours at a time without feeling the slightest amount of pain. So you're, you're going through these asanas to get to this point. I mean, that's a lot of asanas. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of work, right? Because as soon as you start feeling pain, then your meditation goes on to the pain and then you've lost it. You know. And then we get to the pranayama stage, and the you're meant to get your breath to a point where the inward breath merges with the outward breath. What that means is there's no inward and outward breath, so there's no breathing going on. So this is like, you know, this is before the meditation has even begun. Mm. And you can imagine how difficult these things are to get to that point, right? Yes. So, but so... I've been practicing, I've been practicing for, what, six years now? 
So this is the, the really the wonderful, um, uh, we're, we're actually in a very, uh, it's a really good time we're in right now in a sense, because we have this, this process of yoga which, which was um, inaugurated by uh, the incarnation of Krishna, uh, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or Lord Chaitanya or Goranga, you know, the same name. You don't know? Oh. <laughs> I've never heard of well, okay, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you're probably, that's because you're, um, anyway, different lineage. But this, uh, Krishna Chaitanya has only appeared 500 years ago, a very short amount of time ago. And uh, his, his appearance is predicted in the Vedas, is there in the Srimad Bhagavatam. And, many different uh, parts of the Vedas, as all incarnations of God are predicted in the Vedas. Mm -hmm. And um, his purpose was to uh, uh, distribute um, the holy name of Krishna, you know, to get people chanting. As Because in Kali Yuga, the, you know Kali Yuga? Well, Kali Yuga is uh, like the season we're in right now, which started 5,000 years ago and goes on for another 427,000 years. A very long season, <laughs> but in this season, the the um, uh, vice is prominent, and uh, people's ability to focus is prominent, and therefore, uh, meditation, silent meditation, and practice of Ashtanga Yoga is very difficult. Uh, previously, in previous yugas, in previous times, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago. People were able to practice the, the system I was talking about. They're able to control the breath very easily and able to focus the mind very easily. Just like people can ride a bike now, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that process was um, the recommended process in, the, in, the, in those times. But now it's too difficult. Mm -hmm. So as the time gets more inconducive for spiritual practice, uh, vice becomes more prominent. Um, ability to focus becomes less prominent. Uh, the method for self-realization becomes easier. So this is why we have the Vedas recommend at this time simply the hearing and chanting of God's names as the recommended means of self-realization. Mm. So 
um, this is the process that we follow. This is the process of yoga that we follow, is this hearing and chanting of God's names. And not only does it, uh, not only is it uh, the recommended means, but you experience the highest possible realization of pure love of God in. And um, this is the, uh, the most satisfying thing to the soul. If a person experiences Brahman realization, they experience only their eternality. And, and it is actually because you're in your natural environment, natural atmosphere, it can be said to be blissfulness. But, and the blissfulness experienced by Brahman realization or nirvana is considered to be like an ocean of happiness compared to like uh, the, the happiness that's in this world is compared to like the water and the hoofprint of a calf. Right? Compared to an ocean. So this experience of nirvana, nirvakalpa samadhi, is like an ocean of happiness compared to uh, the highest happiness you can experience in these material worlds is like a hoofprint, water in the hoofprint of a calf in comparison. Okay? But the experience of love for Krishna, uh, love for the cause of the ocean of, uh, this ocean of light, is like an ocean compared to the water in the hoofprint of a calf that is Brahman realization. See, mm -hmm. so uh, one is like an ocean compared to material sense pleasure, but this is like a little puddle compared to the happiness of love of Krishna. You see, so by regularly hearing and chanting of Krishna's names, you can experience way higher happiness than the happiness of the yogis that merge with the Brahman effulgence, and it's so much, such an easy process, but. Because of our conditioning, in a sense, it's difficult. But actually, to actually do it, it's not difficult at all. No way. You see? So... It was uh, interesting that you commented last week that it's something that you, you don't get sick of. Yeah. And it's true. Like, sometimes I wake up chanting it. Yeah. You know? And then, like, for all the time during the day, from time to time, I find myself, you know, <coughs> depending on, I might be walking down the street or preparing to do something, you know, and yeah. I've just got it going in my head and it's just, it's not something I get sick of. Mm -hmm. So I, I was very interested to hear that because that's not something I've heard before, yeah. but it's, I'm finding it's true. Yeah, yeah you, you'll find it more and more true the more you do it. Yeah. It's like, I, I, was, I was talking to, because I had this playing in my house, I was living in Byron Bay, I had it, and I rented some rooms out, you know, I had a big house, I rented some rooms out. And, uh, I have it playing the same. I'll send it to you. Actually, you have an email. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some chanting tapes, some chanting so you can play it. Mm -hmm. But I have the same one. It's just a loop of the same forty seconds over and over again. Mm -hmm. you know? And I have it playing constantly in the house. And somebody came, moved from Chile, and um, first couple of days, they're like, "Is this on all the time?" You know, I'm like, "Yeah, well, don't worry, you'll start to like it." And I said, "It's impossible. How can I?" How, how can I like it? I, the more you hear something, the more you get sick of it. I said, well, just see, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, when he, mo he moved out uh, six months later, I think it was, and because, you know, he went back to Chile, and he asked me for a copy of it so he could play it at his house. And, you know, in the, in the interim time there, he's like, you know, this... This is special. There's no, it's not possible 
for a sound to get more and more pleasurable the more you hear it. It's not possible. You know, it doesn't exist in this world. You know, so he knows this is special. You know, actually because uh, Krishna is ever fresh. Ever, uh, you know, you don't get tired of Krishna. <laughs> you see, so Krishna and his names are not different. So, uh, because Krishna is ever fresh, ever youthful, ever new, mm -hmm. uh, Krishna's names is like that too. So, uh, so in the beginning we realize, okay, there's something special here in Krishna's name. It's not a regular sound, it's something different than a regular sound. Then we become aware, the realization, we, we enter into the sound more and more. Um, so in the beginning we start to have this kind of experience uh, Maybe it just sounds nice, and then we experience, wow, it's really special, it's different than other sounds. And then you experience, actually, God is there within the sound. Mm -hmm. You experience that um, this sound is not just a regular sound, an empty sound, like a, any sound of anything else. Actually, God is there within the sound, contained. The name of God and God is not different. So you, this is a, another ex a realization or experience that a person has from regularly chanting. And then, a person becomes aware that this is not just a, a sound, this is not just God there, but actually becomes aware of God's form. So when he hears God's name, he experiences in his heart remembrance of God's form, that God, that God is actually a person, and he's, he has form. So this name, the sound, has a form. Mm -hmm. And further than that, a person can experience the pastimes, the activities of God, in the sound. This is un... Uh, you cannot enter into this with your mind. No, I but, but, but you can... But by experience, you can uh, experience... Actually, God is there completely within the sound. So it takes you from the material world, gently brings you into the spiritual world, even though you're right here in this world. And then, when you're experiencing more and more this name opening up to you uh, then you experience uh, this is my real home my natural home and you associate yourself in this world in this in that world the world of the, the name of Krishna the world of Krishna and uh, you, you you're able to understand that this world of flesh and blood is not me or my my natural home and uh, it becomes not only a, it's not philosophical at all at this point, it's completely, it's from realization, you can see. So, this is the, uh, you know, in a very small nutshell, the process, what happens when uh, a person takes to the chanting of God's names. And all it takes is for you to put yourself in the proximity of it. <laughs> you, it's, it's not you climbing up to the absolute truth. It's, it's the absolute truth descending and you coming under the shower of it, you know. <laughs> so that's that's the way that's the way this process is. In if you've studied much of um, uh, Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras, have a little. He he's you know he you know in the in the Vedic in the Vedic uh, system the Vedic culture the uh, when something is mentioned uh, something is said three times. It means it's of utmost importance, you know. And in his Yoga Sutras, he uh, there's only one thing he repeats three times. Do you know what that is? 
Ishvara Pranidana, Ishvara Pranidana, Ishvara Pranidana, as the only sure means of success in yoga. Ishvara Pranidana is significant. It means, Ishvara means, it's the name of God, name of Krishna, which, which means the supreme controller. Right? Pranidana means complete and utter self-surrender. Mm -hmm. So it means knowing that I am weak and I am powerless. And in order for me to uh, have to, to, to be, ha have success in yoga, I must experience self-surrender to the controller, to the one who is in control. You see? Mm -hmm. So Ishvara has uh, given us this means by which we can know Him. And it's not a matter of us climbing up to Him like the yogis tried to do. And for the, 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 um, the Jnana yogis tried to speculate their way into the Absolute Truth. The Ishtamla, the, um, like the Kundalini Yogas tried to raise the Kundalini up to the Absolute Truth by my own power, by my own... But um, self-surrender is knowing I have no... I cannot do it. I'm, I'm weak, I'm powerless, and I, sur I surrender unto you. Please protect me. This is the only sure means of success in yoga. This self-surrender to Ishvara. So a person doesn't surrender when they think they can do it themselves. You know, mm -hmm. when you think you can do it yourself, then you 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 think you can do it yourself. You know, you don't need. What what's the point of? You know, you know when there's a, a war. And there's surrender, right? They only surrender because they know they can't win. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They yes. don't surrender when they think they can do yeah, it. You know. Right. So. So. Yes. So this is this is surrender. It means. I'm weak, I'm powerless, please save me, I can't do it. Mm. And so, he gives us his name, that we can just take shelter of God's name, hold on to God uh, by his name, put ourselves in the proximity of God's name, and then he purifies us. See, we don't go up to him. <laughs> so, so this is the... This is the um, very very wonderful see yoga is actually a gift from God for the living beings to come to know him but because uh, he knows that all living beings are in different different levels of self-surrender of in their consciousness and he gives many different means by which their consciousness can be purified so they can surrender to him you see um, So he describes in the Bhagavad Gita how all these kinds of people that don't surrender unto me. <laughs> so, but when when your heart becomes purified, then you you understand. I am just a very humble, weak, unintelligent person, and I need your protection.